and boom goes the Welcome to episode 58 of Boom Goes the Dynamite. Not any other episode number. It is actually episode 58 of Boom Goes the Dynamite. The real the, number. The AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Paul Sebastian. Paul, um... Jeff, it let, me, let me stop you right there. And I and I, I appreciate you doing the opening here, but I think you kind of flubbed that opener. Um, I would like to actually uh acknowledge um our true home we're very proud to now be a part of the wrestle joy podcast network (laughs) we're so happy to be here you bastard (laughs) you bastard (laughs) uh we'd like to thank the nemities uh we'd like to thank the phoenix and the nemity for uh uh, hosting us and for doing so much positivity all the time I, I hate you so much. <laughs> no, you know what? Now you're banned for not having good vibes. Oh sorry. shit! Damn. Sorry. Well, You've sorry. Been, you... It's been fun. Uh, welcome to the the boom go. You can you can follow the boom goes the dynamite podcast where our account is now locked. <laughs> I was going to ask you if it felt like winter yet because I hear it, it's coming. Winter is coming, so you should probably get a towel because yeah. you know it's just mess it does actually feel a little winterish up here in in in, it's, in the chicago's dude it's cold as fuck in georgia this is not what i signed up for yeah see i guess levels of it like because i say it's like way too cold and it's like in the mid 30s um which is like it's cold but it's not like midwest cold yeah well it's it's gonna get to midwest cold so uh before we get into what we're uh we're gonna bury um r.i.p pat patterson yeah rest in peace pat patterson Uh, a man with uh, with a complicated legacy that i have to acknowledge um there there's a lot of stuff about pat patterson again a complicated guy but also you know i don't want to get way too deep into my thoughts and derail this podcast with like pat patterson analysis but like i don't know man i guess it's not my place it's just there's a lot out there. Uh, one thing I can say for sure that is a fact is he was an incredibly influential to the wrestling business uh, as a whole, and I don't think that can be disputed. If you love wrestling, something that you love about wrestling was probably invented by Pat Patterson. I mean, first ever Intercontinental. The Intercontinental title, the uh, Royal Rumble, Rumble. Um, you know, a lot to do with 90s mainstream professional wrestling, which, you know, if you're a fan of a certain age, if you're a millennial listener, that was probably your entry point 
to pro wrestling. Yeah. So, so Paul Patterson has influenced the game. Uh, your current favorite wrestlers were most likely influenced by Pat Patterson. And if you've attended a wrestling convention or like live show or anything like that over the last couple of years, you've probably heard Pat Patterson's wonderful karaoke rendition of Frank Sinatra's my way, which was always a delight to see Pat perform. Um, of course, let's not bury this lead. Also widely credited as being the first openly gay, uh, pro, pro Which, wrestler. Again, there's a complicated legacy there because what they say when they say openly gay, what they mean is like people would just like make low key homophobic jokes. Remember Pat Patterson did not publicly come out until 2014 on wrestlers house. That's just fact. Yeah. Right? But it, 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 it was one of those out. things where people in the biz knew. Right. And, and, so, and he, you know, so again, and, and I, you know, that goes back to a lot of, you know, Pat Patterson's complicated legacy is that I do, you know, think that there were probably some things said about Pat that were uh, inspired by inherent homophobia trying to derail Pat's career. Uh, but also there are some allegations against eh, allegations against Pat that have not been verified or founded, but are out there and should be acknowledged and, you know. Almost every old pro wrestler is going to have a complicated legacy, and there's going to be a lot of good, and there's going to be some bad, too. I didn't know Pat Patterson personally, and the things that were said against Pat Patterson, you know, they're, it's weird, man. And I'm not going to get into myself of saying, well, I don't believe an accuser. But I, then again, I don't know. This is a tough one for me. It, 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 yeah, I, I understand. And I don't want to trip myself up here and, and say the wrong thing. And I'm trying to acknowledge Pat's legacy for a guy who literally just died while also understanding that there may be some some hard truths about Pat Patterson. Again, not verified truths or founded truths, but there are some things out there that could be interpreted uh, a certain way. Well, right. And we're going to we're going to see this more and more as people go and and but i think the most important thing is that we do tell the truth about people whether they're our heroes or not um you know again pat patterson inspired a lot of people and a lot of the 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 aew wrestlers we're talking about tonight and aew themselves acknowledged pat's passing uh with reverence and a lot of people considered him to be a good man and a person who influenced them positively um you know I would encourage any of our listeners to look into the possible allegations that Roddy Piper made against him and decide for yourself and understand, you know, who this person was, the legacy that they left, but also understand that, you know, there may have been some some untoward or or some really terrible things uh, that Pat Patterson may have been a part of. Yeah, well, and there's that, and you know, we, we've all heard, you know, there is the the, the yay old, you know, wrestling sleaze list that was, you know, on, uh, you know, Death Valley Driver video review board mm-hmm. from way back, and you look at it in, in in these times, you look at it, and you're you you look at it now, and you're like, well, you know, maybe some of these really are more believable than we thought, you know. Uh, and 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 again, I think it, it does have to be acknowledged that in the position that Pat Patterson was in that um, homophobia was there. It existed, and it was even more rampant in his day. And so to be in the position that he was in was very difficult. And, you know, did people have access to grind because of it? Sure. Sure they did. But, you know, Pat's gone. Uh, His accuser, his primary accuser is gone. And it's up to us that are left behind the wrestling fans, the wrestling media people, analysts, uh, wrestlers themselves, uh, you know, to take the information they have and you know channel it in the right ways 
We can't just, you know, blindly support people no matter what. We can't just, you know, say, oh, because we heard this cryptic thing that, you know, we decide this person should rot in hell or whatever. Uh, I'm not, not going to say that the truth lies somewhere in the middle, but there is nuance to, to all of this. I agree. But it, 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 officially, this show will say, you know, RIP to Pat Patterson. Yeah, officially, and, you know, and, but, it's, it's you sad know. that the guy died. <laughs> it's definitely he, he uh, does seem to he, he did say there were there were a but again, flood of well wishes Just joy podcast network we say everything is good we love everything that happened uh, uh <laughs> all right all right you know what i, I was gonna try to wittily segue this into because uh, uh, of what we keep uh, referring to did you see dark no okay so you know that who is back on dark this I week I uh, someone that we on this program were big fans of However, wrestling wise, yes. Wrestling wise, yes. It turns out that she supports far right Islamophobic nonsense in France. She sure does. And... So yeah, uh, Shanna returned to AEW Dark this week, and there were some uh, polarizing takes there because it turns out Shanna has come out in support of banning Muslims from France entirely. Appears to be a stance that she has. Um, she's also retweeted some anti-Islam segment uh, sentiments uh, from far-right uh, psycho Marine Le Pen, uh, who is bad. Who, who is very bad? bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, who no, is no, no, but not almost like, a Nazi. Yeah, uh, Macron, however, kind of heading, heading there Macron's himself. Like shithead. Macron's awful, but like he's not a Nazi. He's like a centrist goon. Uh, different types of evil, to be sure. But Marine Le Pen's brand of evil, we definitely do not support. So, yeah, Shanna's an asshole, it turns out. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really, really disappointed with that. And that, and, uh, and, and so the Shanna thing, we're going to gloss over that. We're not going to give it too much attention. But Shanna's stuff led to a couple of very fun days on wrestling Twitter, Jeff. Yeah, well, what are you taking away? We like to talk about wrestling social media here, especially me. I, I, you know, I just roll around it like a pig in filth. Uh, you, you just wash that wrestling Twitter garbage all over me. I was reading bad <laughs> takes during it. I glossed over and almost lost track of my own stream reading bad takes. Wow. Uh, I saw someone That's talk dedication. about how, That's you dedication. You want to hear a bad take? Would you like to hear a bad wrestling Twitter take that I heard today? Uh, sure. Chris Jericho is the Vince Russo of AEW. That is a very bad take. That's the take that I heard. And they even explained it, but it was a garbage explanation. So we won't even give a credence here. But I just want you to know that's the level of like which that I wash myself in this filth willingly. And I read this shit uh, because I'm a piss pit. <laughs> so, yeah. Hold on. Real quick. I just want to put it out there. I, I try not to get involved with wrestling Twitter drama because I got burned severely a couple of times over the last couple of years. By doing I mean, so, so I'm, I'm, I've, I've learned my lesson. Bad for your health, both physically, mentally, and triple threat spiritually. Yes. So, yeah, it's all bad. But uh, this, the Shanna stuff led to some takes from everyone's favorite wrestling media site, WrestleJoy, uh, which is a site headed by a couple of really terrible Twitter accounts that we've talked about before. Oh, yes. Um, so a couple of really bad tweeters run this WrestleJoy account, and their whole their gimmick was supposed to be like, we're a wrestling site, but we only do good vibes, right? So we're like, like we're golden retrievers, and we only just like look at shiny objects and like let our tongues loll out of our mouths and go, ah, cool, yay! Uh, so that's the the gimmick of this site. 
unfortunately, like most of this, you know, uh, I guess they call it toxic positivity would be the, the way to go. That, 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 that's the phrase I keep seeing. Yes, that's the phrase I keep seeing toxic positivity, which if you're going to define toxic positivity, these dumbasses is like the way to do it. Right. Uh, th- th- um, th- this would be the 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 couple that legit in a in a serious discussion about diversity in AEW legit said, you know, we have an actual dinosaur. Yeah, now, well, there's a dinosaur. Now, you, so know, now, you know what? We, we have gone along with that gimmick within the context of the gimmick, not within uh, on this show, not within a serious discussion about racism it doesn't and really, diversity. It doesn't really land when your actual dinosaur is a giant white man with a master's degree. Yes. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you uh, know. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous, obviously, and the uh, um I'll, we'll just name him because this guy fucking sucks ass and his account's gone anyway. Andy Nemedy um decided to uh, nuance up the Shanna take by going, well, hey, it's actually like totally legit to be afraid of people after a terrorist attack. That was this person's take. Well, like I, I, I'm guessing this person did not live through 9/11 then because. Oh no, he's because sure, you know, where have like, you been the last twenty fucking years? <laughs> no, this person off. is for sure older than me. There, I'm convinced of that. <laughs> yeah, probably um, not older than me though. Maybe not, but somewhere in between means you were around for nine. It means you were at least in high school at nine eleven. Right. So yeah. So basically, this person is justifying Islamophobia from a place of fear. So like, uh, we're, I'm just gonna say it. You gotta be the biggest fucking coward on earth. For your legit t- t- take to be, it's okay to be scared of people after a bad thing happens. Yeah, I mean... It's pathetic. You're a pathetic... I'm just going to say a pathetic fucking worm. These people are awful. I spent, like, a couple of days being legitimately mad at this because this is, like... When we people say, like, wrestling fans are the dumbest people on Earth, we're not, like, talking about, like, NASCAR rednecks. We're talking about these fucking assholes. These are the kind of people that give wrestling fans and wrestling media a bad name right here. Yeah, and wasn't there a thing where he was also reading the book White Fragility and, and live-tweeting it? White Fragility and was live-tweeting it until he abruptly deleted his account. Right, because... This motherfucker nuked his account for getting owned. Because he, you know, because he doesn't see color. Yeah, so... Which we, we all know how that goes. Well, he definitely sees light mode or dark mode and, uh, doesn't, <laughs> and definitely turns it off. So he can see that. He can see the black and white tweets that were telling him to delete his account, and at least he fucking listened to that. Um, you know, this guy sucks. Uh, his wife sucks. Their website sucks. Fuck WrestleJoy. Fuck Phoenix. Fuck Andy. They can all fucking eat shit. That's the official take of this podcast. And, you know, again, once again, this has just been a a running theme with these accounts that are like, you know, we we only want to see the positive side, uh, uh, the positive side of uh, pro wrestling, like fucking speaking out didn't happen earlier, you know, in the middle of a pandemic. Their idea of positivity is that like bad things don't happen. You know, our idea of like, so like, like, let's get into it. Our idea of positivity in wrestling, we've talked about this before here. The discomfort that came along with things like speaking out, we understand, will lead to ultimate good if we can see it through, right? Well, yes. If the fan can see it through, if we can hold ourselves and the wrestlers that we purport to support accountable, that we can get past this and make the business ultimately better. Right. And to me, that's what positivity in these situations look like. Right. And and that's why – 
Right, just right. don't talk about it. Right. It, Which it, is it, like suppressive fascist behavior. Right. And, and that's why I felt, you know, when, you know, speaking out was happening, uh, a lot of the, the podcasters I know, including, you know, some on this feed, um, we're saying, yeah, we, we can't do a show this week. And I, I felt it was kind of our duty to do a show because I, I felt we had to confront it head on and talk about I it agree. and acknowledge it. And wrestling as a whole needs needed to confront speaking out head on, whether it's a wrestler, a wrestling fan or a ma- member of wrestling media. We are wrestling fans here. And while we're not like media guys or whatever, we make a podcast about it. We are making content about this product. So we should have a responsibility to continue to give credence to the people involved in this and to continue to talk to our listeners and our fellow wrestling fans about it so it never goes away, so that wrestling can come out better because of it. People like these WrestleJoy idiots don't want wrestling to get better. They don't care. They just want to look at bright colors and shiny fucking objects. Right. These well, are- I- Right, but I mean, we also had like you know what was it that the the hairy wrestling fan who it turns out was a sex pest. Yeah, that guy's and, like a pedo, is Yeah, ex- exactly. It, well, it's like I mean, also he's pretty. So well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we, we joke, but you know, then we look at speaking out and where a lot of that was centered. Again, British. Yeah. Um, wow, all, it's almost like serious. it's a whole cursed pedophile island. Shout out England. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the entire it turns out the entire 1970s were a pedophile oh, ring wow. in, in in Britain. You know, I mean, it does make like Jimmy Savile would have probably made an incredible like wrestling manager or like valet type guy. He he would have fit right in. He really he would. Have. I mean, yeah, because he's a flamboyant personality and a pedophile, so perfect for British wrestling. Indeed. So um, respect the you know what I'm talking about the the Lord Jeff and Destroyer of Worlds tweet. Right chuffed with me mates. You remember that tweet? Yeah, I do. <laughs> right I, chuffed I, with me mates might be one of the best wrestling tweets ever. Um, here's what I'll do for the listeners. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm going to retweet the right chuffed with me mates tweet from the Boom Goes the Dynamite feed tonight. Okay. okay. So they can see it. Right chuffed with me mates. Is just, it's an all-time classic wrestling tweet. It's so perfect. It's evergreen, too. Uh, yeah. So long story short, you know, all we, I think we, we need to learn the lesson here of always be distrustful of anybody who is saying, you know, positivity or death pretty much because it, it it is such an uncritical way to look at things. Uncritical and unnuanced and just a rubes way of, of viewing the world. It's golden retriever brain shit. And, you know, I think that we hold ourselves to a higher standard here. I think we hold our wrestling fan friends to higher standards. And if we continue to do that, we can get these idiots completely out of here. Right. I mean, I, just as, you know, a, a, a sort of example, I mean, I, I've been following Doctor Who for much longer than I've been following pro wrestling. Like, and talk about insane fandoms. Right. But, I mean, I, 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 I have logged literal decades as being a Doctor Who fan, like probably since I was age five. And uh, this past season, I, I still haven't even watched the last two episodes of the of this past season. And the further away I get from it, the less I care because it's just gotten so bad. But, you know, I, I still love the program. And I'll still probably watch the holiday thing that's coming up. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that you, you can love something and be critical of it at the same time. God knows Absolutely. I know this being an Arsenal fan the way they're going right now. And you not know? only you can you 
I would say you should. Yeah, it, I think it, you may have a duty, critical, to especially do so. of things you care more about. You should be more critical of, right? Like we like a lot of people, and I understand this. A lot of people like wrestling because it's something you can turn your brain off to enjoy. You know, it's something you can enjoy in passing. It, you can be a casual fan and really take a lot of good stuff from pro wrestling. It doesn't require you to like be hardcore dedicated. But if you have, are a dedicated fan of wrestling and you watch uh, multiple different products and you watch hours and hours of content a week and you care about and have a passion for pro wrestling, you have to hold yourself and this thing you enjoy to the highest possible standards so it can be the best it can be. Right. Um, it I mean, requires I, fans like us to behave that way. Right. I, our arsenal till I die does not mean Arsenal you know, right or wrong either. You know, it, exactly. it, it means, you know, uh, we, we support the club. We, we, we love the club. But if they're doing shit, we're going to say something, you know? Absolutely. And I know we've gone a little bit long um, on this, but, you know, this is something that's important to us. And Jeff and I talked about this before we recorded the podcast tonight, that we wanted to address this because we care and we think that people like this are bad for wrestling. And we don't want it that way. You know, AEW is a, a promotion that ultimately has done good for wrestling in the time it's been here. Uh, Jeff decided to do this podcast because he thought as much. And I decided to join because I believe in the, this product. We're still critical of it. And we will continue to be critical of it when it warrants criticism. Yes. Uh, I mean, we will celebrate it when it warrants celebration. And we will tell idiots like these WrestleJoy people to fuck themselves when that's warranted, too. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, positivity doesn't mean turn off your 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 critical faculties, folks. Absolutely. I mean, so in closing, uh, before we end the segment, I just want to say, um, Andy's account gone, Phoenix's account locked, WrestleJoy soon to follow, proving once again that cyberbullying works. Damn. <laughs> and with that, we go live to episode fifty-eight of AEW Dynamite live. From Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, your host, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur. And we go right in with a custom opening to the show. Because yes, they, they, yeah. they, they are trying to push this as an event show. You know, an event winter is coming. They even have, you know, the, the custom lighting on the set. Yeah, no, the the set looked good. I like that they, uh, you know, do creative use of like their current sets and just tweak things a little bit for their special events here and there. Uh, you know, it gave it a feel that was different than your standard dynamite, but you still knew what you were watching. So we go right into the dynamite diamond battle royale in which the the last two men standing will face off for the diamond ring that has been in MJS possession since the. Uh, Thanksgiving show last last year. Yes. And uh, there were a lot of people in this match. I'm not going to list all of them. There was a bunch. There was, uh, there was a bunch of your favorite guys. So if you have a favorite guy and they weren't scheduled in another match on this show, they were probably in this one. What did you think of this? I thought it was fun. So one thing that AEW has done well, really since day one, since pre-AEW, since All In, is Battle Royals. They've kind of made it a signature that they put on a good battle royal. I don't think this was different. I think if we're ranking all of the battle royals, this one's probably lower on the list. But it really, once it got going and it got into the later stages of it, I thought they did some really good storytelling. There were some really good spots. Um, and yeah, I thought it was pretty well done for it. I thought the lack of fanfare at the beginning 
made it kind of it took a little bit for this thing to get going you know what i mean like there wasn't a lot of momentum going into the bell ringing because it's just uh the show opened up you know with that sweeping shot of everyone outside of the ring like it's a lumberjack match almost and then they all just kind of popped in having at least a couple of key entrances or you know maybe some pyro or something at the stop at the top would have probably made this match pop a little bit earlier yeah i Honestly, I thought that this was a bit of a mess. Um, I mean, most I, battle royals are messes, but yeah. you know, by design, right? It, it, now, the, the, there were some parts I really liked in this, um, but overall, it felt like they were it was like trying to do too much rather than focusing on like one or two things that worked. Yeah, I mean, um, they wanted to advance like five storylines in one match, which can be very busy. I thought they did it pretty successfully to a degree, but yeah, it can be a lot to take in. Well, it's a good thing that we had that discussion at the top of the show about, you know, positivity and, 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 oh, are <laughs> and you criticality. Saying my positivity, is my positivity toxic now, Jeff? No, it, is, no it isn't. But it's just... toxic. You know what, Jeff? Wait, Jeff, do you have any critiques of this match? Why don't you shut the fuck up? Wow. How dare you criticize anything? No, no, no. It was good and you loved it. Shut up. Um. <laughs> A couple of things I did like. Uh, I liked the Dark Order helping out Adam Page. I thought that was kind of funny. Yes. No, I thought that was probably, to me, that was my favorite part of the entire Battle Royal. I thought it was great because then Adam Page was immediately ejected from the ring on the other side where Dark Order wasn't there to help him. Um, Good storytelling. Also, can we please, Miro versus Wardlow in singles, please. God. Oh, yeah. Give me the meat. Give me the big meaty men slapping meat. Hell, yeah. I, I we we need the the super heavyweight division in this company because it, oh man I mean it, it, it's time has the come thing, though, there's like the super the problem with and we just have to like realistically confront this the their super heavyweights are still just regular heavyweights in WWE they well just, that much WWE is true. still the land of the giants you know that much is true but boy you know what they have a few um, few giants themselves though yeah but it, they do a good job keeping them away from each other until the time is right uh, which is good. Uh, the end of the match, of course, uh, MJF versus Orange Cassidy were the last two men standing, so they will yes. face off After a next little bit week. of fuckery here and there, Orange was outside of the ring. Uh, we thought it was going to be Wardlow and MJF. I originally thought it would be Sammy and MJF, which I thought would have been very compelling, but sign me up for an Orange Cassidy match. Any big, any high-profile Orange Cassidy match I'm here for. Yeah, and there will be some. Uh, yeah, and th- we're going to be going back to Sammy and and MJF here uh, in a little bit. Uh, in fact, in this uh, very next match, as we go, it went right into the next match after a couple of uh, coming up segments. Um, yeah, no break. Which you know, this was kind of an extended match. So this, and we'll we'll get back to the no breaks and this point of the show a little bit later. Uh, Chris Jericho in what is apparently his. 2,750th match. I didn't know that was a milestone, wow. but you wow. know, apparently it is. Um, uh, facing off against, uh, for the very first time in singles, allegedly, uh, Frankie Kazarian. And that doesn't surprise me. Like Jericho and Frankie have never really been around each other in wrestling promotions for the majority of their careers. So this being the first time they've faced off in singles uh, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just don't feel like looking it up if it, if it's the case. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm not hitting that cage match profile right right now. Um, Funny if Kazaria did like a dark match job to uh, to Jericho at like a house show in. Uh, like Norman, Oklahoma, in like 2004. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, probably it's possible. Um, that being said, uh, again, this match was just kind of whatever. Uh, this is just a lot. 
it, it, this was just more angle stuff, really, when you get down to it. Yeah. And the angle stuff being um, MJF wanting to throw the towel in for Jericho. but then I that was it, a nice callback. But, but it, it was a good callback, but then it was also a setup to get Sammy in trouble. Yes. And, uh, you know, after... Jericho hits the Judas effect on Kazarian to end the match. The most devastating move in all of professional wrestling, the Judas effect. With the we exception. must all fear and respect it. With the exception of the Taz mission. <clears throat> um, yeah. What if, what if, oh man, what if Jericho like tried to do a Judas effect and then got like in, they got hooked into the Taz mission from it? The Katahajime. Because yes. like you, like you could set that up. Like if you're trying to do a spinning back elbow, that's like a, a viable counter. It really is. Ooh, man. Save that for Ricky Starks, please. Um, We get a uh, big brouhaha among a lot of the inner circle, including... Uh, there was a little bit of a... There was a bit of a scrum, a bit of a quagmire. A uh, bit of a hullabaloo, you might say. And uh, Jericho lays down an ultimatum, which is uh, everyone's going to cool off for seven days, and uh, everybody's going to calm down, get their shit together. And, and then, then we're going back to Vegas! Woo! <laughs> we didn't all catch COVID the first time. No. Um, the Hangover had a sequel. Oh, that's true. But no, now Jericho oh, wants we're a... all going to Bangkok. Woo! <laughs> Inner Circle takes Bangkok <laughs> next week. Uh, so e e either they're, they're, they're together or they're not. And Jericho's had it with this bullshit. He even said it on, on camera. He's had it with this bullshit. Yeah, interesting way to have dissent in the inner circle ranks, not the way I thought it was going to go, but this was always going to be this way, right? MJF joining was the beginning of the end for the inner circle. Um, I'm hoping that we see Sammy spin off into, into the next thing. I think maybe something adjacent to Matt Hardy and they eventually strike up some kind of partnership would seem likely to me. I would love to see Santana and Ortiz maybe break off and maybe even find their way back to Eddie Kingston. Um, there's yeah, I mean, Eddie, Eddie Kingston's lost two of his guys, so, you know. Yeah, there's, there's a lot that can be done here. Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm all, you know, I, honestly, it, 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 this is funny considering, you know, I'm the New Japan fan, and we have a unit there that has now been together in one form or another for uh, over 10 years, which, which just seems entirely too long to me. I mean, wrestling time, that's a fucking eternity, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I, I'm all for units getting broken up and shaken up, you know? It's, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's a good thing. Um, so I guess we're going to see what the results of this ultimatum is next week. AEW. We then go backstage to a Young Bucks promo with Alex Marvez where uh, Nick Jackson decides, hey, remember when we, when we super kicked you in the face? Ha <laughs> 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 ha, LOL, we got your ass, bro. Dude. And then we get a run-in from uh, a group called The Acclaimed who... Yes, I guess they were on Dark. The uh... yeah, no, they're they're pretty highly touted prospects, and uh, uh, that's I'm excited to see where we go with this. And there was a kind of a substandard rap diss against the Young Bucks book, where he they actually mentioned that they're looking down at their at their junk. I thought I th I figured you would be all over that one. Uh, yeah, I thought I mean it was a pretty fun segment. However, I do think that this young man should probably. Uh, go back to school and maybe receive a little more education if this is going to be his gimmick. Um, I know that there is a certain professor of thugonomics out there Ooh. that may be able to, uh, to teach a couple lessons here too. Maybe he needs to uh, replace that gold chain with a, uh, with the chain link and the padlock, you know, 
Um, it, it's just basic thug- thugonomics. Uh, the best part of this promo was when the Hybrid 2 attacked uh, attacked the Young Bucks and the Acclaimed are in the background screaming, World Star! Yeah, was, <laughs> was, I, I was... lost my mind on that one. Yeah, no, it's fun. And these guys, uh, for I haven't seen them wrestle much, but I've heard really good things, uh, and I'm hoping to see more. And, uh, you know, a deep tag division gets even deeper. We love to see it. Our third match of the evening, uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, against legit Layla Hirsch. Um, Hirsch. We have a little inset promo with Britt calling Thunder Rosa trash, which, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, But Britt repping the Berg with that gear tonight. Yeah, the the, the gear was good. Repping the 11, now 11 and 0 Pittsburgh Steelers. I cannot believe that the league allowed that match to go on. Today. We uh we have alternated between uh praise and criticism for Britt Baker quite frequently throughout time on AEW Dynamite. Britt Baker is a land of contrasts, but when Britt Baker is good, she shows the potential to be the absolute top of this roster. Um, she's got a lot of star power and she continues to get better. This match with an incredibly talented professional wrestler in Layla Hirsch. Uh, was very good. Uh, I dare say that Layla Hirsch, I'm not going to say carried her, but let's face it, if, if Britt is in with a good opponent, she can get a good match, Well, that, uh, as we've seen. Up, playing up to your opponent is an important trait for a star and for a versatile star that you want to you know, be involved in different feuds, different situations, and especially champions. So that's an important trait, and I think she's shown that she can have a good match with a lot of different types of wrestlers. Right. Um, the but promo I mean, skills we know, like when she's on with her promo, she's great. Yeah. And when she's off, she's off. And it's the same thing with her wrestling Absolutely. because, as we but know, she's grown into like a, a better television wrestler specifically, which I think is uh, the most important thing. Like, I think that was what people worried about with people like Britt, with people like Orange Cassidy. Like, will what they do like translate onto TV? And Britt has uh, really made that happen for herself. That much is true. Uh, at the same time, I just remember, again, you know, the counterpoint, if Britt is in with someone who's not good, she is not good. because <laughs> I think that's experience-wise. She Good has night. been wrestling for a while, but not like a really long while. And, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, she's not going to be trusted to, like, be the hand uh, in the ring. But when she's working with a hand, she can play up, and that's important. Yeah, uh, again. but I, I just remember some of these early, some of the early matches she had at the oh, yeah. beginning of this program. And, that's the thing is, like, you can look at the beginning of that to versus now. She's really cleaned it up. Yeah, I mean, it's night and day how 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 she does nowadays. So yeah, Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's totally true. She really has is one of the ones who has adapted to the format and you know to the character. She got the character down. Oh, yeah. And and she really is committed to the character, which is uh, a big part of this. Like she really is committed to this character. And even the the fact that she did a lot of this character development while she was out injured and in a pandemic. Yeah. And and did some of her best work from a wheelchair to to bring this character back. Yeah. So, I mean, so props to that. Uh, Layla Hirsch, on the other hand, she is Fucking phenomenal. She's an incredible wrestler. I'm really hoping we can find something for her to raise her profile. To me, I think it's just right in front of you. Put her in Team Taz. Yeah. I, it's just so easy. It's just some things are just painfully obvious. It's just right there. Me, yeah, it's right there. 
they got to put put Layla in Team Taz. It'll raise her profile just like it's doing with Will Hobbs and Ricky Starks and Brian Cage right now. They'll all benefit from each other, and they'll all benefit from Taz. And again, just the um, just the, the the rule I have is that if you are a company that has women in your company uh, and you have stables, then I think that your stable should have at least one woman in it. And they've shown they're not afraid to do that, obviously. So let's make it happen. Uh, yeah, too. It's just the dark order so far. Well, yeah, but also remember the short-lived Nightmare Collective had uh, uh, men in the women's stable as well. Oh, that's true. So they were they that's did do true. that. Um, so like they're you know they're not afraid to to mix that up, and you know they see that there's a working formula in Dark Order. Uh, which hopefully, you know, we'll see more of when Brody Lee comes back, if Brody Lee ever fucking comes Holy back. Holy shit, yeah. This is oh, getting man. this is getting worrisome. I I hear he's hurt, right? That's the only logical explanation I can think of, of why he but hasn't I, been around. But I've heard he's hurt. Uh, I think there's probably a better way to keep him away from TV than they've been doing, but, you know, what do I know? <laughs> than just keeping him off TV, you mean? Yeah, I mean, I guess the idea is, you know, with Dark Order, like, losing while he's gone, he comes back fired up to get them back on track or something along those yeah, what, lines. what is this crap? Yeah, yeah, yeah like, you guys all suck. Like, how are you guys sucking without me? Or, you know, because Dark Order, you know, they, they were eliminated through their own folly uh, were Alex Reynolds and John Silver in that battle Royale. That's true. It was kind of, you know, they kind of shot themselves in the foot with that. Okay. So tangent, slight tangent and a callback to a previous bit on this very program. Um, you know who the Mr. Brody Lee character is, is nominally based on. What do you mean? It, you know, nominally based on Vince, Vince McMahon, you know, the wait, the, really? It's based on Vietnam. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> there's a couple. <laughs> they've done a couple of like small things that like have made it really obvious, like the uh, the sneezing thing they did in that vignette. Right. It's, yeah. Uh, okay. Like, so do you? Okay. So did you hear about a uh, about now the Justice Department has found there's uh, some sort of bribery plot to get presidential pardons, and did you hear who one of the what one of Twitter's odds-on favorites? this to be was no and no uh the odds on favor according to twitter would be joe exotic oh wow, calling back be... to one of our favorite one of the favorite bits well, of this show you can get him you can get him pardoned just in time to put him back in the ring brother <laughs> if he was ever actually in the ring the exotic animal trainer gimmick bringing it back <laughs> folks he's got the nets he's got the uh the harpoon uh, he's got the safari hat. <laughs> oh he's, man, it would be such. He's a got cool the game. Prince Albert piercing. He's got. Yes. Uh... <laughs> well, just you know, you can use it to hang your keys and stuff. You can have right. a keychain on there. Yeah, of course. So uh, yeah, I just. I'm just I... gonna steal your keys if they're hanging from a chain off of you know your genital area. I just thought I'd bring that up real quick. Um, if I had a, a piercing like that, I would hang my keys from it and just leave it hanging out, daring someone to rob me. Be like, go ahead, bro. Reach in and steal it. Come on. Come on, steal it. Well, live your best life, Paul. No, steal it slowly. Life. Steal it softly. We then get a recap of uh, the of the storied feud between Cody Rhodes and Darby Allen against uh, Team Taz, which leads into Cody Rhodes and Darby Allen versus Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. Um, yeah, Yes. Now, what did you think of the match? Um, I liked the uh, uh, Hobbs and Darby stuff a lot. 
I thought they cut a really interesting figure against oh each other. That 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 deadlift from the ears. Holy yes. shit! Holy Ooh. shit! Will Hobbs is a beast. He is a big, strong man, and I said this last week. I love watching him beat people up. Uh, so give me more of that. Just inject that Will Hobbs energy right into me. Here's the thing about this match. Um, it was fine, but it doesn't matter. And go ahead and do you want to go ahead and tell tell the people why it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter because again, this was this was you know moving pieces and angle building and, and all this. Um, so post oh so Darby Allen wins with a coffin drop on Ricky Starks. Um, Team Taz then attacks everybody, including Arn Anderson. Yes, I, I want to see Arn versus Taz. I want to see Spinebuster versus Suplex. Book oh, it. Oh boy. Um, in a world that we could have Mike Tyson and Roy Jones fight, why can't we have Arn Anderson and Taz? Maybe we can. We can, we can, and we should. Next month on Triller, featuring a concert by Lil Uzi Vert, we're going to get uh, uh, Taz versus <laughs> Arn Anderson. It's going to be Lil Uzi Vert, and on the undercard, um, it's going to be uh, uh, like Logan Paul against Earl Boykins. Somebody actually said during that event that we need Logan Paul versus Atsushi Onita. Oh boy. <laughs> give me give me any of the Paul brothers against Minoru Suzuki. No, 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 no. I, with Onita, we we'll get explosions too. That's true. I just want to see him get maimed by an old man. There we go. Yeah, see. I just would like to see them do, I don't we don't even need the weapons. Like, yeah, no, I would love to see like Jake Paul take on June Kasai. No question. Oh my oh god. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> The crazy monkey. You know what? I won't even steal that one. I'd actually get. I'd actually shell out for pay per view on that, brother. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Jake Paul, dude, Holy shit! Yeah, you know uh, what? So, in the midst of all this, the lights go out, and we get speaking a, of things we want. We get an actual genuine shocker on this program. When, thank you. <laughs> I'm just getting hype. <laughs> Uh, who, who comes to the rescue, but sting like actual Steve Steve mother Borden. fucking Borden. No. What if it was sting from the police? <laughs> but that would have been funny too. <laughs> um, the way that Tony Schiavone lost his fucking mind. <laughs> great call. A great call. One of AEW's instantly most memorable and important commentary calls to date. You could tell he was genuinely thrilled about oh, this. Oh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And why wouldn't you be? This fucking rules! Woo! So I guess Sing is winter because that's when they did the whole winter motif. because you know, The yes. snow falling and... You know, the, the, the fake snow that they can do because they do it every year at Cork and Hall on, at the last New Japan show of the year. Right. The fake snow looked great. Uh, the entrance music was very good. The new Sting entrance music. It was good. He's got new merch. He's got the T-shirt that looks like an eSports logo, but it's still pretty cool. Um, <laughs> it does. Tell me it doesn't look. Yeah, it absolutely looks like an eSports logo. But here's the thing. Everything looks like an eSports logo now. eSports have just taken over. Esports are taking over, and that's why I'm very excited to announce uh, next week on AEW Dynamite, uh, Sting will just be in the middle of the ring playing League of Legends. <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole episode. Is Sting in the middle of the ring on a PC playing League of Legends? <laughs> 
and somebody ha- and somebody standing very close to the button to mute all the racism coming into chat. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> oh Lordy! Um, so now... it's Sting! It's Sting! And there's a 13 year old calling him the N word. Oh Jesus! So that that was a genuinely great shocking moment. Absolutely. It was awesome. Now, they signed they said they signed him to a long-term contract. I thought he was not able to wrestle anymore after he took a buckle bomb from uh from Tyler Black. He so he may not be wrestling anymore. I don't know. I mean, so they did announce that he yes, has been I said signed Tyler to a Black. multi-year con- <laughs> Yeah, you did. Um he has been signed to a multi-year contract. He's there. He is officially hashtag all elite. He's there. He's in. He's he's part of the the, the thing. But does he have to wrestle? And here's the thing. I saw a really interesting tweet. I think it was from Tape Machines, maybe. Um, shout, about, out to, no, no, no. shout out to was, at Tape Machines. Tape's a good account. No, I think it was Alex Navarro that brought this up. Another shout out to a good account. Yeah, Alex Navarro said this. Um, the thing about Sting unexpectedly appearing places and acting mysterious is that it's the best thing he does. Watching him wrestle, especially now, is never as fun as him silently hovering around people, flipping a bat while they try to discern his, atten- his intent. And that's really the thing about Sting is it's not what he's gonna what he's doing or like why he's there or the actual matches that make Sting great. It's Sting being around and, and making you think of what he's gonna do next and being I mean, afraid of or anticipation of what he's gonna do next. I mean, that's what he did for over a year in 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 the peak of WCW was yeah. just hover around and be mysterious. Absolutely. Yeah, um, and that's so. Let's lean into that. Let's uh, have him do it again. Fuck it. And I think um, if he's gonna wrestle and he's gonna have something going on with the Nightmare Crew, um, he's gonna be a great choice to put over Darby Allen. So now, if we can make a match like that happen. Now, uh, two two other notes about this this appearance. Number one, did you catch the hotline joke when they came back from break? When, when no, Tony, I didn't. Tony was saying uh, how you know Tony Khan says that he's things been signed to a multi-year deal, and you hear Jim Ross going, and you didn't even need to go to a hotline for it. <laughs> nice. But also nice number job. two, how funny is it that Sting shows up the day after this idiot WCW 2021 account posts well, that, that well, WCW guess... is coming back? I guess maybe it is real. Maybe they were just locking him up before that new WCW could get to him. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, it's the I, explanation. So, somehow I... We have a bidding war, folks. <laughs> somehow I highly doubt this is likely. So. Well, well, remember that that account said that they could only keep half of WCW, so they actually get Surfer Guy Sting. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So, they're getting surfer guy sing and maybe they can get maybe they can get Mr. Anderson to come back and, and do when he was doing his sting impersonation in, in TNA that led to that one match with somebody it was Eric Young acting as great Muda. Oh god. You know they get uh uh AEW gets Crow Sting, uh new WCW gets Surfer Sting and uh TNA still has the rights to Joker Sting. <laughs> there we go. What does WWE get? Nothing. They get fucking nothing. <laughs> They get they get Seth Rollins still. We then go backstage for a promo with Hikaru Shida, um, saying that she is not frightened of Abaddon. But then some random a pipe fell somewhere, and uh, suddenly she's a little skittish. 
Uh, yeah. I don't. This is a weird one for me because I love that Abaddon is scary, but I also don't love that Sheeta is so easily frightened. Yeah. That, I, so it's a weird balance, and I, I get what they're trying to do here, but it worries me that we're going to weaken Sheeta just a little too much prior to this match happening. Yeah, I don't think that promo really came off very well at all. It didn't exactly hit, even though I don't necessarily mind the intent. Um, I think that this program will be good. I just don't think this was the best execution of it. I think Abaddon and Sheeta are both too talented to really miss on this. But we need to, if this is the way we're going to go, we need to be more convincing on things that scare Sheeta. Like, be scarier. Yeah, I mean, a, a pipe falling, you know, in a backstage area isn't scary, you know? And I mean, it can be startling. It can be a little startling and off-putting. But yeah, I, I don't think she should be, like, uh, uh, shaking in her boots. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that really came off anywhere close to being good, honestly. Mm. Which is the same because usually I don't mind Hikaru. Wait a Shida second, are promos. you not being positive about wrestling? Stop it! It's all good. Everything's good. Oh, just wait. <laughs> just, all wrestling is good. All wrestling wait. is good. Everything's good. How dare you? This is <laughs> you, you know, this, this is toxic criticism. You know, I I really wanted to say something, but you know, and uh, sense and, and and good taste stopped me from doing it. So. Uh, see, that, that's what I'm here for. I do, I say all the things that are in poor taste, so you don't have to. That's right. Somebody, <laughs> somebody has to. Somebody has makes to. A good team. So, somebody has somebody has to take fall on their sword for this. And uh, yeah, it ain't gonna be me, brother. <laughs> I got two other shows on this network. I. <laughs> I ain't, I ain't do I ain't falling. Never on... underestimate a podcaster with nothing to lose. <laughs> we then go to another pre-tape promo with John Moxley, and this was pretty good. This this was a pretty good promo. John Moxley does this perfectly. Like this is why right here, like encapsulates why I think Moxley should just be champion forever. He's so good at carrying this brand, carrying this belt. And just having that aura, that air of a champion for believing in himself, for believing in the title, believing in everything it represents. And it all comes off as so authentic. Um, you know, he's the he's the flagship of this show. This is the John Moxley show. John Moxley, I think, is genuinely the most important component of AEW right now. I, I you know, I really think that, yeah, he. he his appearance kind of made the the promotion back at all the way back at Double or Nothing 2019. Absolutely, I remember losing my mind when he came out, and that's saying something because I was really, really high. Uh, but man, <laughs> I focused right in when Mox was walking down those steps. I focused right up, dude. So with that, we get our promise to be an hour long main event of uh. For the oh, AEW and not or TV time remaining because we were promised that if this match goes long, that the tape machines don't have to be rolling. Yeah, they and, don't and, need and, and considering who one of the combatants is, and we all know how he likes to bloat the time of of his singles matches. Uh, John Moxley defending the AEW World Championship against uh, Kenny Omega. Ah, <sighs> I'm gonna let you start this one off. Interesting. Okay, so the match started the way it started. I think it took a little while to to really get rolling. The biggest problem was not with the match itself, but it was with the production, specifically commercial breaks. So yes, you 
announcement, you mentioned at, when we started recapping that the first match was a battle royal that led directly into Cody versus Kazarian with no breaks, right? Correct. So with that being said, and with the, the time that you allocated throughout this show, um, this this match was a 30-minute match that had three commercial breaks. And that's too many commercial breaks for your title match, Jeff. I, I, I would tend to agree with that. I, I, it was a glaring issue uh, for the first half to two-thirds of the match. Um, I looked at it specifically. It was 9.47 p.m. Eastern when they came back from the last break and then ran straight through. And from that moment on, this shit was a banger. It really was. And the rest of the match was good, too. But, when you know, this is a television broadcast. And, yes, they have picture-in-picture, picture, and that's great, and it's fine. But let's get real. No one's paying full attention when it's on picture-in-picture. Picture. No, You're just God, not. no. You're just not doing it. So that's the biggest issue to me. And knowing that they had that time up front to run ads, they should have front-loaded their ads and taken less breaks during this match. And I think it's kind of a disservice to John Moxley uh, and Kenny Omega and the work that they did in this match that we we put a bunch of ads. And I get why, because, again, this is prime time. I'm sure the viewership numbers are up, especially after you bring in more viewers with Sting. I'm sure we'll see big rating spikes, and I'm sure this will be one of their most watched segments that they've ever had. And I get it. Go get the bag. But it did take me out of the element a little bit here and there. Um, so, yeah, it took a while to get going. Uh, that being said, what are your thoughts? Well, I really did not miss Kenny Omega in singles, is what I'm going to say. Um, you just don't like Kenny Omega. No, really no, 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 no. It's not that I don't like Kenny Omega. I like Kenny Omega when he's... He has a focus, and when he's not trying to recreate the All Japan epics from from the '90s. Did you think that's what he was trying to do here? Because I didn't really feel that. I I felt with the time when he when he wants to take it to the thirty minute time limits. Yes, I think there there is a little bit of that because it'll be. Let's face it, it, it was an influential time, and I can understand why you'd want to do that. But, right, but this was but, a sixty minute time limit match that only went thirty minutes. Okay, and, and they teased that it was going to go over. Don't forget. But and another they, they, thing that I thought really... was an error, another error in judgment on AEW's part, uh, uh, advertising that we would be willing to go long, even though the show did not go long. No, it, it didn't. And there, there was this expectation. This is like a, this is like one hundred and one, like Chekhov's gun shit. Yeah, and you know, to me, like I, you know, as I've said on the on this program, I've said this on Strong Style Story too. The be- to me, the best. Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada match was the G1 Climax match because they took out a lot of the bullshit. And, yeah, and, and, it, yeah. and it refined it. And, you know, it, it streamlined it. And I think that's what I think that's what Kenny needs. I don't think he works his best when he's trying to do his 40-minute, 60-minute epics. I really don't. Right. I, and that's fair. Uh, it's hard to totally agree with you because I like his 40 to 60 minute well, epics. And so that's much. fine. But <laughs> I, like, took, I like, like those matches I mean, a lot. Again, I'm, I'm to kind me, of a sucker for it. My, my favorite era of Kenny Omega was the early cleaner when he was, you know, just joined the Bullet Club and he was, you know, you know, comedy anime supervillain Kenny. You know, I think that is probably when Kenny's his best, because I think that's when he's at his most comfortable as well. I think that's his element, right? He likes to be over the top. He likes to be like a 
you know, like an anime villain or like the bad guy from like a Disney movie who like yeah. wants to take your ski resort or one of his or, vi- or you, you know, know one of his video game or a video game villain too or a know? video game villain. Yeah, yeah, that's I think you know the over the top Kenny is when he's at his best, but he's also a very gifted professional wrestler and can have a match with just about anybody under any circumstances. Right. Okay. Uh, this was no different. I thought this was a very good match, and I thought the last five to ten minutes were especially good. The false finishes were great. The reversals were great. Um, you know, the back and forth was really good. I was really convinced that Mox had it. Uh, then, of course, you get to get to the most important part here. Uh, commentator Don Callis. We did not mention that Don Callis was on commentary for this match. Um, Kenny was outside of the ring, uh, injured supposedly. Don Callis tried to stop the match by getting a microphone and grabbing John Moxley. Um, Mox shoves Don Callis. Really great touches that Callis's poppy from his lapel just exploded when he hit the ground. Right. That was a really good visual. I thought that was great. And Don Callis sold really well here. You should get some credit for that. Uh, but while Moxley's distracted, Kenny Omega picks up that mic, turns around, bam, hits John Moxley with the microphone. <gasps> Kenny doing the exact thing he said he didn't want to have happen in this match. He mm-hmm. broke the gentleman's agreement. It's very ungentlemanly, Jeff. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we all knew that Kenny was doing a heel turn. Yeah, I think we kind of, I mean, he's it's been teased. And, you know, again, and I talk about this all the time, like if you even want to like, call these things heel or face turns in AEW, but I'm still not convinced that anyone's like a real heel or baby face on this. Well, I don't show. know, given what, what uh, happened after the fact. So, of course, you know, Kenny hits one winged angel on Moxley and uh, gets the pinfall, ending Moxley's uh, over nine-month title reign. Everyone drop a big F in chat for John Moxley's title reign. Um, he... Was an incredible champion. We've talked about this ad nauseum on this program, but I and now that John Moxley's title run, uh, for at least for this uh, iteration of it, is over, uh, I think it needs to be said that John Moxley had one of the best championship reigns for any major promotion wrestling champion in maybe a decade or more. Uh, he was fantastic. He carried this brand about as good as you can ask any wrestler to carry a brand. Uh, his matches were great. His feuds were great. He elevated everybody around him. He cut a great promo every week that he wasn't wrestling. Um, yeah, he just did everything right, man. He hit all cylinders, and this show's popularity uh, owes a lot to John Moxley. Uh, 100%. So with that being said, uh, the second Omega gets the belt, he and Don Callis get the fuck out of Dodge. And as they they, gotta go, man. And as they are, yeah, it doesn't even get his hand raised by the ref. He just gets the belt and leaves. As they're going away, you know, Don Don called that Uber like before he got knocked over by Moxley because he was expecting to get out earlier. And the guy and the the Uber driver was texting him like, "Yo, I gotta leave in three minutes, you know, or else I have to restart the fare." So yeah, gotta go, man. Gotta get that, you know. Help out your Uber driver. So as a speed off, Don Callis says that you know we'll have an explanation for what's going on. Next Tuesday on Access on Impact Wrestling. Fuck this. <laughs> oh, come on. No. Wait, 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 wait. Impact Wrestling has low-key and sort of under the radar built a very strong roster. And when they put I, on I a good care. show, they, they here's the thing. That's the point of doing this is now that people that don't care maybe will see this product and will care. This is how cross-promotion works. 
I am for cross promotion in wrestling for a lot of reasons. Main being that these are independent contractors and when they are working under different under promotional capacities like this, um, you know, at least they get to go do stuff and get paychecks from other places if these people are going to be fucking independent contractors. Okay. You know and, what I mean? Okay. If it means Kenny Omega is going to make some more money by going over to Impact, cool. If it means Impact wrestlers are going to get more opportunities at AEW to get paychecks, cool. If we're not treating these people like employees, let them be independent fucking contractors. Okay. At the and, very least. Okay. And, and I'm not going to disagree with that point. My point is, is that I, I don't like Impact. I never have. That. That company, well, I that, that I, I company, missed a lot of it, so I don't have a whole lot of like. That, uh, um, that company can miss me. That they, they, they had the the actual you know Nazi Harris brothers. Behind right, the but scene TN, now now we, this is an important distinction to make because this Impact Wrestling, what it currently is, is not TNA in almost no, any. Not, no, it's not TNA. They're owned by Anthem Sports. Yes, and they, they are owned by Anthem and Sports. furthermore, they legitimately bought access. So they could have a TV network to put their their wrestling show on, which is very funny to me because I only watch them on Twitch. Right, but you know, it, I, I, and I don't think I need to mention which company lost their TV show on Access because of that. Well, you know, it's not like the uh, uh, not like the commentary was real strong anyway. Well, that much is well, you know, that, 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 that. <laughs> that's a good point too, but. I mean, the, the point is, is I mean, I, to me, Impact is always going to be a nickel and dime operation. Well, not, and, if, not if they're bringing the AEW champion on. But I, okay, and but I don't care. I can watch the AEW champion on on TNT every week. And now you can also see him on Tuesday night on Twitch. <laughs> or access. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, but by your own admission, nobody's got fucking access. Watch Twitch. But you're right. I don't even have access anymore. And I'm just I mean, watch guy. Twitch. Everyone out there, watch Impact on Twitch and also subscribe to my channel on Twitch, twitch.tv slash thick flare. But you know yeah. what? But you know what? You brought up a but you know what? This segues into another point that I want to make about this about some screwiness about the participants in this match. Well, besides the fact that I hate the fact that it was a fuck finish the match, you know. It wasn't necessarily a fuck finish, though. Like that's I think that's like so, like, like it, it, simplifying it a little bit it, too did, much. Did it lead directly to the finish of the match? It led indirectly to the finish of the match. So no, I think it was pretty directly. I mean, Mox um, didn't do nothing it was after the, that. It was the thing that started what you know Kenny had to put him away with what like five V triggers and a one winged angel. So there was you know it's not like he just hit him and then pinned him. Uh, you know he gave Mox more damage than Mox has taken in a match this year. Yeah, and it's Mox's first singles loss. All year, this, too. Exactly. So the, the match where he gets beat up the worst is the one that he loses. That's fair. But th th there's another elephant in the room here. Another elephant? Yes. Which one? Okay, so we know about the big, the biggest elephant in the room, which is John Moxley has a New Japan title. For now. Yeah, for now. And they've been teasing a, a, a match between him and Kenta since... Uh, God alone knows when at this point. I don't even remember when when that New Japan Cup USA was. I think it was in the summer, maybe at this point. I, I, dude, I don't even time remember. Means nothing to me now. Um, so yesterday or the day before, I can't remember which. Um, Tony Khan had a press conference leading up to this very episode of Dynamite, and he basically said that Moxie is not going to be at Wrestle Kingdom 15. Well, yeah, but when a wrestle when a wrestling promoter tells you something. You should never just like believe them or well, take them right. At face. And, and again, this is wrestling. This could all be bullshit. 
there's a real Bullshit good chance you're getting kayfabe on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that well, could absolutely be kayfabe. It would not be out of that realm of possibility. It, it could be. But let's assume for a minute that Tony Khan meant what he said and John Moxley is not to be in uh, in New Japan coming up. Um, so why is Kenny Omega allowed to go to AAA? Well, I mean, traveling to Mexico is not a lot different than traveling to Japan. Uh, that's I mean, that's just something part of it. Like I my, my, my girlfriend's relatives were just traveling to and from Mexico. You don't have to do shit to do that. It's really, really easy to do. Uh, traveling to and from Japan is a lot different. OK, I, I get that. But Mexico City is currently in condition orange and possibly condition red by the time tri- triple mania is supposed to happen. So hmm? we may we still may not get triple mania if it goes to condition red. That's true. So but they're well, they, they seem to be, you know, triple A seems to be willing to take that chance. Yeah, but, you know, so Kenny Omega is supposed to be defending the AAA uh, Mega Compionato against uh, Laredo Kid on, yes. s- on s- Saturday the 12th, which I may actually watch this show. Oh, no, I like I, I usually uh, co-stream Triple Mania on Twitch, and if they're going to put it on Twitch again this year, I'll really not, co-stream it. They are not. It's God gonna damn be, it. It's going to be on YouTube, though. Oh, maybe I'll still co-stream it. <laughs> <laughs> it won't. There, there will be no uh, English commentary this year, though. Ah, well, they'll definitely co-stream it. And uh, and uh, you know, below the, the you know the, the 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 two you know feature matches, which is you know, Pagano versus Chessman in a hair versus hair match, and the love that aforementioned Omega versus Laredo Kid. We Omega love Pompionato. wrestling clowns here. Um, there's also going to be a match of 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 uh, current luchadors wrestling in, as as Marvel Comics characters. Well, what's wrong with that? Well, nothing. I'm just mentioning. <laughs> I'm just letting you know this. We love we love wrestlers that are Marvel Comics characters or clowns or Marvel. Are there any Marvel Comics clowns or did they not do any clowns because of the Joker? Uh, they did, uh, did they stay away from clowns probably for the most part. Well, no, they actually a long time ago, back when Marvel Marvel actually used to have a character named Obnoxio the Clown. Obnoxio the that's a wrestling look, name. If look, I've ever look him heard up. One. Look him up. Wow. That but, is that's so pro wrestling. Holy shit! But what one of the funny things is that this is these are actual licensed Marvel wrestlers, not you know just you know Mar- wrestling's had like a lot of you know knockoff Marvel characters. <laughs> this is actual licensed Marvel characters. Let's Arcano y Leyenda Americana contra Terror Purpura y Venenoida. So I'm I'm guessing Spider Man and Captain America versus and the Noid. Versus versus Ven- the noise versus, versus Venom and I don't know who Terror Purpura is supposed to be though. The I would only... really love if the Noid wrestled the match. They should it's... just bring back the Noid. <laughs> um, they do have the clowns though. The clowns are uh, psycho <laughs> murder, is... psycho the murder, and, uh, psycho murder and monster clown versus uh, L.A. Park Ijo de L.A. Park and Blue Demon Junior. <laughs> Nice, very nice. I've been seeing Blue Demon been popping up on Lucha Underground again on my rewatch of that. Oh, nice! It's always nice when he shows up. And, it's just he brings like a little bit of this like big profile legitimacy to Lucha Underground whenever he shows up. It's very cool. Oh, and furthermore, uh, the Lucha Bros are on Triple Mania too. Mm. Furthermore, in a triple threat match, we didn't see yeah. So so no Lucha Bros tonight. Um, no uh, Butcher Blade tonight. Uh, so yeah, no, no death triangle at all. Yeah. Um, Eddie Kingston kind of cami. Eddie Kingston showed up for about 10 seconds at the end, grabbed a headset and said, I want Lance Archer. 
Uh, so I think maybe we'll get uh, Kingston and Lance Archer next week. Uh, actually, it's going to be uh, Archer and the Lucha Bros against Kingston, Butcher, and Blade. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Kingston and Archer are going to be on Tuesday night on Impact Wrestling. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I, so, so here's the thing. So in conclusion, saying all that we've said, will you watch this Impact episode that Kenny Omega is on? No. Okay, because I'm going to. Okay, well, somebody has to. <laughs> I'm go- And I wouldn't have watched Impact. But I'm going to not. And I mean, that's obvious. Like, that's going to be their highest rated episode ever. Like, there's no question about it. Well, yeah. Uh, Kenny Omega showing up. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely no question about it. So then one more question from what who, you know, is on the impact roster. Who would you like to see go do an AEW appearance or stint from impact? <sighs> from impact. Ethan Page. OK. Um, That's a polarizing pick. Jordan, that's an interesting one. Jordan Grace. Yeah, that's who I was at the top of my list, actually. And, and Sue Young. Yeah, it's so funny you said that, because Sue Young and Jordan Grace are the two at the top of my list. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, yeah, because I think they were both um, absolutely funny in the uh, AEW women's division. Sammy Callahan can fuck himself. Yeah, fuck Sammy Callahan. We've seen enough of Sammy Callahan. Wait, uh, if you watch enough indie wrestling in Chicago, you're absolutely sick of Sammy Callahan. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, that, that match against he had against Tetsuya Naito, uh, it, that just exposed him and just how bad he actually is. I don't. I mean, he's never really – his whole thing wasn't, like, being a great wrestler, and that's why he got his profile raised so much from uh, smashing Eddie Edwards' face with a baseball bat. Mm. It was because he didn't have to do any actual wrestling for about a year after that. He could just run around with a bat and make people mad. Yeah, pretty much. Which, um, he is very good at making people mad. So, overall, this show, what do you think? Good. Good show. It was good. You know, Sting was there. What the fuck? I mean, Sting, Sting was there. What else okay. do you need? It Sting, was Sting. Sting was there. Um, we, got overall, a we got a title change. Overall, it just felt like it was, you know, for, for as much of a big show that this was hyped to be, this just seemed like it was just moving a lot of pieces. And even the title match, it turns out, was just a big angle build. It rather well, than just I'm, being a title match, you know, it pains me to admit, folks, and to uh, to announce that uh, as of next week, Jeffrey Wessel will no longer be a part of this podcast because he does not live up to the wrestle joy standards and values of positivity. <laughs> um, so next week, um, I will be hosting the podcast with um, a golden doodle with brain damage. Uh, can I counterpoint real quick? No, no, you can't. It's not positive enough. Your mama. God damn it. He's got me. He's got me again. Paul, go ahead and plug yourself. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at ThickFlareTTV, on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ThickFlare, all C's, no K's. Um, doing some of my favorite things on Wednesdays now. Uh, we watch Steve Austin's Broken Skull Challenge. It's the Broken Skull Wednesdays. Uh, super fun afternoon stream at 420 Eastern Time. We also do stuff on weekday mornings and weekday afternoons. So come see us there and make sure you absolutely follow the podcast Twitter account at BGTD podcast. That's BGTD, like boom goes the dynamite podcast. Uh, for all updates on this pod, new episode drops, occasional wrestling thoughts, takes, and live tweets, and much, much, well, actually, not much more. That's about it. Yeah, that's pretty much sums it up, isn't that's it? That's pretty much what we do. Uh, you can find me at Strong Style Story without the E in style on Twitter, my personal Twitter, at GD Wessel, two S's, one L. Um, Last weekend, I dropped uh, the newest Busting Balls episode uh, here on this feed and, and other feeds as well, um, where we uh, pay tribute to Diego Maradona. And um, in about 24 hours' time, 
you can hear my dulcet tones on the Days of Thunder podcast, where I will be reminiscing about actually attending the episodes of WCW Thunder that uh, the boys are uh, reviewing right now. So, so yeah, check that out for a walk down memory lane for a time that is no longer in in an arena that is no longer at that. So, uh, so check it out. So, Paul, any final words? Uh, John Moxley's cool. Yeah, Moxley forever. Rest in yep. pe- rest in peace. The title reign of John Moxley. Long live Death Rider. We'll see you next week. <laughs>